This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're cleaning up after ourselves in episode number 124. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I'm really excited to be here this week. This podcast topic is one that was actually requested by listeners, and it's one that at first I felt like I won't be able to talk a lot about this, but when I sat down and did the outline, I thought, well, maybe there are quite a few things to talk about. And it's something that's really been a blessing to my family, and I'm grateful that I had wise older mothers emphasize the importance to me, and so I'm excited to share it with you. What we're going to talk about today is how do we let our little ones help us out around the house? There's one of the things that happens a lot of times for moms especially is we think I have to juggle taking care of the house and I have to juggle taking care of my baby or my toddler or my kids and I have to do this and that and the other depending on what your life situation is and sometimes it just doesn't occur to us that there can be some combination of those things especially when it comes to cleaning and our toddlers and to a certain extent babies. I'm really going to focus on toddlers today, but I'll give some tips here and there uh, as we go to to help incorporate your baby into cleaning as well because cleaning is a fact of life. It's just something that we as moms have to do. And when I say chores, I'll talk some about meal prep too. So we're going to cover house cleaning, meal prep, laundry, all of those things that moms have to figure out how to get done somehow. Before we jump into the nitty gritty, how do you do this? The first thing I want to tell you is you need to realize that having a little one help you out or little ones help you out is probably going to slow you down. And it's worth it. Sometimes you're going to need to be able to straighten up really quickly, but Think through your day, and I encourage you, this is something I've been trying to be mindful of recently, is just just slow down. <laughs> if it's important, the time is there in your day. For me, I think if it's important, God will help me find the time to make it happen. And if it's not important, then it's okay if I don't find the time to do it. Now, sometimes we realize in our lives that, you know, I've, I've been a bad manager of my time. I don't know how to set priorities. I'm, I've got all this stuff to do and I have no idea how to organize my life to do it. And in those situations, I feel like looking at the wisdom of moms who have gone before us can be a really good thing. So if you feel like I have no idea where to start, my house is a mess, my kids are out of control, what do I do? Um, you know, I'm not telling you, you should just, you know, wake up tomorrow and be serene and believe that some divine power is going to help you make it all work. We 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 kind of have to meet in the middle. You may have heard the the saying, "God helps those who help themselves." Or you know, if if you want to be all like not spiritual or whatever about it, you know, the universe helps people who help themselves, or you know that sort of thing. You know, you it's kind of meeting in the middle thing. So if you feel like everything is completely frazzled, that's where you turn to something like. Like My Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, we have lots and lots of classes loaded up in there that help you go from everything is chaos to, okay, it's getting under control and then it's reasonably under control. And there's lots, you know, there's lots of books and things out there 
different moms have found different things that work for them. Different personalities are going to have different things that work for them. So help is available if you feel like everything is just completely out of control. But what I'm saying is if you feel like things are reasonably under control, you have some systems that are working for you or some routines that are working for you, but you still feel like that push, 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 push throughout your day to get it all done. And I think that's something moms feel a lot. I would encourage you to just slow down and say, okay, if this is really a priority, if it's really important, then then the time will be there. And also look, because sometimes emergencies are created because we're constantly putting out fires and we're not paying attention to things that we should be paying attention to because we're so busy putting out fires that we don't take the time for the things that if we made sure we did them, the fires wouldn't be there. So that, you know, these are all things to think through for yourself. But what I want to encourage you, and the reason I went down that rabbit trail, is that having little ones help you out can slow you down, but it's it's very worth it, I feel, in the end, for both your sanity, for a chance to bond with your child, um, and also for a chance to, you know, to help them learn and to help them, um, you know, to help them grow and, and change and develop and that sort of thing. So remember, little ones working alongside you often slow you down. You could get it done faster without them. If it's something that you know you're going to need to get done really fast, it may be a time to employ another method to, to occupy your child for a few minutes and do it. But otherwise, try and think about, okay, I'm going to let my child be part of this most of the time. The next step that I recommend that you take, or I guess the first step that you take, because that's kind of a preface to this whole concept of letting our littles help us with life. Um, but think through your daily routine. And your routine may look different than mine. It may be more or less structured. But what I'm saying is really think through the things you need, you know, you need to do in a day. And again, if you've got no idea, if you have no routine, if you have no direction, if everything is chaotic, you need to you need to go beyond this podcast and and get something in place that works for you. So smartmamahappybaby.com, we have lots. You know, if you are a Smart Mama Happy Baby member, you get meal plans, you get access to all the classes, you get access to the Q&A call every week where I listen to you tell me about all your chaos and give you some feedback that can help you make a difference this week. So that's a resource, or there are many other books and things that you can use as a resource. So if you, again, if it's complete chaos, You've got to start there. This is a little bit like, you know, chaos is 101 or maybe remedial. And this is, this is more like 201 kind of stuff when we think about it in relationship to classes. So, but think through your daily routine, what you're trying to do on a daily basis, or at least maybe in a regular week. So you might have a day that you do laundry. If it's only you and your husband and a little one, Maybe you don't need to do laundry every day. If you're cloth diapering, maybe you need to do laundry every other day. You need to do diapers. So think through those kinds of things. I need to do meal prep every day. I need to get the dishes clean every day. I need to sweep the kitchen every day. We need to clean up around the table every day. We need to pick up toys every day. We do diapers every other day. We do laundry a couple times a week. And depending, so depending on your family size, that's all going to change and your situation. But that's the kind of thing that I'm telling you I want you to think through. So what is it that I'm doing? I vacuum once a week or every couple weeks. 
my goal is, or I vacuum when the, when the carpets really look bad. You know, just think through what happens realistically in your home. And you may, some things may be more routine and other things may not. I mean, I, I said the vacuum thing with a chuckle because that's kind of the way that it is for us. I mean, I use um, the Motivated Moms app, which I can link to, uh, for, for kind of helping me keep up with the day-to-day cleaning on most days. Um, and it does have, you know, vacuuming in there periodically. I don't know how periodically. I just let the app tell me what to do. I don't worry about how frequently they space it out. Um, but, you know, usually my vacuuming happens when I look at the den floor and go, oh my gosh, our den floor is horrible. <laughs> so, but other things... For example, meal prep, meal cleanup, those sorts of things. They have to happen every day. They have to happen every day. So, again, think through what you do, and that gives you that gives you a starting place to think through how can my child help me out. So ask yourself, once you've thought through, so you've brought those things to mind, what do I do on a daily basis or on a weekly basis? How can my toddler be with me and helping me with that? So what is something that my toddler could do alongside me? This is where a lot of moms have a problem because what we think is I have to get these things done and I have to keep my toddler alive and I have to keep my toddler out of trouble and I have to do those three things concurrently because we think we we compartmentalize in our minds. Okay, the toddler is here and the chores are here and whatever else you have going on because you probably have a million other things going on if you're a mom those are all compartmentalized here here and here so i want you to take the toddler and the chores out of their own separate compartments and put them together and ask yourself instead how can my toddler be with me how can my toddler take part in this and i still get something done So I thought up some examples because really I feel like the best way to talk about this is with examples. So I'm going to give some examples for directly helping and I'm also going to give some examples kind of for for parallel activity. And actually really a lot of it is parallel activity, but some of it is they're doing chores kind of parallel to you and some of it is you just creatively occupy them in the same space as you. So let's jump into that. So the first thing that comes to my mind is sweeping. And we'll come back and talk about child-sized tools, but a child-sized broom or a little whisk broom, like one of the little handheld brooms that you would use for getting under the edges of a cabinet. You can find them at any store. Those are good tools for a toddler to use. So while you're sweeping, they're sweeping a particular area with a child-sized broom. Toddlers often really like sweeping, so it's a good activity to do with them. Um, Another activity is stacking things up. So if you're unloading the dishwasher and you have like reusable bowls, Tupperware bowls, and you feel like they're safe for your toddler, so they're an an eco-friendly plastic or something rather than glass, then you have your toddler stack those and then you can put them away or if there's a low enough place for them to put them away then you can have them put those things away the same can happen with for example plastic tumblers or if you have plates like say plastic plates or um corelware plates some some sort of plate that's not going to be easily broken 
you can do that too. Another thing we're going to, we will talk a little bit more about Montessori inspiration a little bit later in the podcast. But one thing to consider too is Montessori, if you look at their guidelines for early childhood, they actually recommend that you don't worry so much about breakable things. So you might, for example, go to Goodwill or the Salvation Army and buy a set of ceramic dishes that are breakable, but it's not going to break your heart if they get broken. So, you know, you paid 15 bucks, 10 bucks for this set of dishes. But one of the reasons that they recommend doing that is because right from the start, you encourage care of belongings with your child. And I think that's a really good concept. It's actually something that I wish that I had done more with my older children when they were little because I feel like it would be beneficial now. I feel like sometimes now they're not very careful with their possessions or very careful with our possessions. And when you're talking about teenagers, it's it's frustrating for a teen not to not to take care with somebody else's possessions. So Obviously, accidents happen, but once you get to a critical mass of accidents, you're like, okay, they just aren't really being as careful as they should be. So that's some. this is somewhere where I think that you can start to teach those lessons in a small way. And you have to have a certain attitude about you when you're doing all of this. Um, you can't expect perfection from your toddler. That's unrealistic. You can probably expect, for example, something like sweeping that you're going to have to go back and sweep after them. You may have some kids who are meticulous just because that's their personality. But most little ones, you're going to have to go back and at least do some cleanup after them. And if you're helping them do something like stacking or handling those ceramic dishes or something like that, you have to be calm. You can't be, oh, be careful, you're going to break it. You can't be like that. You have to be calmer. We're going to carry this carefully. We're going to use two hands so that it stays safe. You have to think about your language. That's something else we talk about a lot um, in Smart Mama, Happy Baby. And it's actually something I'm trying to be really conscious of right now um, for myself. I feel like I kind of messed up today because I snapped at one of my teens. And I've been trying to be really conscientious about if a kid is having a challenge, acknowledging this is a challenging situation, I still need you to handle it this way, or, you know, just kind of acknowledging and affirming where they're coming from, and I've been doing pretty well with my little ones, um, but with one of my teens today, I, I just snapped because the teen was snapping, and thinking back on it, it's like, you know, that child was feeling stressed and rushed because actually I'm recording right now while the rest of my family is at the library watching one of a zoo, zoo critters in the library. So they were, they were kind of rushing trying to get out the door to be able to get to the library event. And, you know, I realized that that child was feeling pressured and rushed and something had just gone wrong. And so there was attitude flare and I snapped at the child to get control of themselves when I probably should have acknowledged, I know you feel stressed. I know this is inconvenient. It was the cat that did something wrong. So, you know, I know the cat is really annoying and now you have to take care of him, but I need you to, you know, I need you to deal with this calmly. That response would have been much better for me. So again, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but the way that we respond, the way that we use language is really important. And on the whole with kids from, you know, two days old to probably 20 years old and beyond. I don't know. I'm not there quite yet. But the way that we respond 
is important. And it puts a lot on us because it means that we have to be really responsible for acting like adults when sometimes we want to act just like our kids. But it's something to keep in mind. So as you're encouraging your child to work with you, that's something to remember. I think not rushing will help you a lot, which we already talked about. But also think through how I talk about things, how I, how I explain things. Don't have expectations like they're going to do a great job. Do expect that if you're teaching a new skill, it's going to take time and you need to teach it incrementally and that sort of thing. But, um, but make sure that you know, you're measured and calm. And I, when I say cheerful... I feel like some people are like, well, I'm just not a very cheerful person. I don't mean you have to be bouncy and bubbly. I'm I'm kind of an understated person myself. And but at least, you know, a slight smile on your face and just kind of this quality, this air of peace. One of the things, um, this is from Waldorf education, but one of the things that they talk about is that the mother has what's called a Madonna's cloak. That's what they call it. And it's basically kind of kind of an aura or an energy field or whatever you want to call it. But it's basically that the mother's temperament, the mother's attitude, the mother's feelings kind of permeate and hold the rest of the household. When I was little growing up in the South, we said, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. That's the same way of saying that, just, you know, in kind of a redneck way. Um, And it's very true. You've probably noticed. I think it's unfair because it's like if mom's melting down, somebody else, daddy, hello, but daddy or somebody should be able to see, okay, I'm going to calm down and give mom a chance to calm down, but nobody, nobody does. Your attitude really carries the attitude of the home. So that's something to remember when you're teaching little ones to do chores and things is your attitude doesn't have to be bouncy or bubbly or whatever, but it should, you know, it should be calm and relatively pleasant. And I think carefully consider the language that you use, consider your child's personality and that sort of thing. Anyways, let's get back to our list. So we talked about sweeping, helping you stack and put away dishes and things like that. Um, And then stirring is another good thing. So if you're in the kitchen doing meal preparation, this is something that a little one can help with, is is being able to stir. So like if you're going to stir together some fruit and yogurt or something like that, a big sturdy bowl, a nice wooden spoon, uh, and they can stir that. Another thing that little ones can learn to do pretty easily is tear lettuce for a salad. If you have something like a big bowl again of ice cubes, you can teach them to put a particular number of ice cubes again. You have to be calm and teach them, but teach them two ice cubes in each glass, three ice cubes in each glass. So those are are ways that you can think of working in the kitchen and having a child help you. If you're making something like a fruit salad, they can use um, a knife to, to slice bananas. Again, referring to Montessori, one of the things that we see in Montessori early childhood environments is that children learn to prepare their own snack very early on and are able to do things that many of us would think, whoa, you let your child do that as far as chopping and cutting and things go. So that's something else. If you're interested in it, I encourage you to look into that. We did in Smart Mama Happy Baby, we also do book studies of parenting books, which is always illuminating and interesting. And we did a Montessori book several months ago. And that was really cool to learn about the different ways that um, 
the early childhood activities are, are thought through and incorporated in. So that could be a good inspiration for you if you're looking for ideas for this. Uh, and then so wiping down is a really good thing to have a child help you do. You can have your child just like use a dust cloth and wipe things down or a damp rag. We've recently begun using e-cloths. It's just e-hyphen cloth. And they're a microfiber cloth that has, uh, I want to say silver or something else stitched into the fibers. You only need water to use them to clean. So they're really safe for everybody in the family to use. And they're super effective. You can get them on Amazon. I'll link to them in the show notes. Uh, but I, I had a friend tell me about them and decided to give them a try. And I've been super, super, super impressed with them. So my little ones love using the e-cloths. They love using the e-cloths. And with them, even my little ones can actually get things clean. So, you know, you get one of those damp, you wring it out, and then you hand it to your child. And while you're wiping up or cleaning, cleaning the stovetop or something like that, you can direct them to wipe the front of a cabinet or the front of an appliance or something like that. And they can do a really good job. Or if there's a child-sized table or surface like that that they need to clean, again, they can help with that. And if you're going around the house just doing some cleaning, it's you can usually give them something like that. And there's... It doesn't really do much damage. We've used the e-cloths. We have, they have a glass one that's special for glass. So we have a couple of those. But we use the standard one on the countertops, on the cabinet fronts, cleaning the walls, uh, cleaning the kids' play kitchen. So I'm cleaning plastic bin lids that had gotten dirty. You know, so just um, a great variety of things that... Um, that you can use them on so your child can pretty much follow you around and and use the e-cloth without without messing anything up folding is another really good activity for little ones even small toddlers can start to learn to fold washcloths and socks are my favorite things to start with with their own tiny socks i usually don't have them fold them i just teach them to put the two socks together and with a washcloth, just fold it into quarters. And it's something that's very easy for them to learn how to handle at a very young age. Like very young toddlers can learn to handle those things. And they can also learn to help carry and put things away. This is a tip that I got from, an, um, from a more experienced mom than me a long time ago. And that's to have a few dish pans. And they, they work very well as tiny laundry baskets. You could use little wicker baskets for, for the same thing. So um, little dish pans or little wicker baskets that have handles. And you let your child put their clothes or perhaps the washcloths into that basket or their, you know, their little socks. And maybe you're folding other things of theirs. But so they're putting the little socks in while you fold their little shirts and pants or skirts and dresses. And then they can carry their own clothes and you would go with them to you know to their bedroom to put their clothes away or to the bathroom or the kitchen wherever they're going to take those washcloths or rags um, you go with them and help them transfer those things from the bins to their drawers but by doing this you're teaching them and empowering them really letting them carry letting them help it's something little ones usually like to do 
And then you're also able to help them start to learn the routine of putting their clothes away. So that's one of my favorite ones because, again, you can teach um, even very young toddlers can start to learn to fold those washcloths and things and to be able to carry their little bin. Actually, speaking of carrying reminds me of something else. This is something helpful for mealtime. And it, it probably depends on your kitchen size and the way that your kitchen's arranged. But letting your toddler carry things you need for food prep can really help. So we actually have a large upright freezer. It's in our laundry room, which is a few steps away from the kitchen. But we have we have a bar in the kitchen, so you have to walk around the bar and down the hall a little bit to the laundry room. And so Sadie, who had, at the time I'm recording this, is two and a half. She loves to carry things from the freezer back to the kitchen for me. So if she sees me going to the freezer, she'll run up and go, carry, carry, carry. So that's another thing you can do. It may be canned goods or something that come out of the cabinet. It could be something that you take out of the freezer. Sometimes I, I, Some things I won't let her carry. For example, our milk comes from our goats, so we put it in half-gallon uh, canning jars in the fridge and I'm not going to let her carry one of those because that's that's precious cargo but a package of frozen vegetables or something like that or um, we had friends gift us with a lot of produce from their gardens last summer and so we had I just blanched a lot of it and put it put it in the freezer for the winter and stuff and so she loved carrying all of that out So you think through what makes sense. What am I going to let my little one carry and what am I going to make sure to carry? And sometimes that one's hard because they get so excited that it's like, you know, you can't carry this whole frozen chicken, which probably weighs as much as you do. But you can carry this bag of vegetables kind of thing. So that's another thing that they can help with carrying and, and be involved in meal preparation. Little ones can often help with laundry in other ways. For example, as you're transferring clothes from the washing machine to the dryer, you can have them standing beside you. And and this, again, is a way that they're going to slow things down. But you can, this one's one you can probably work together on. So you hand them a few pieces of laundry to put in. You put a couple pieces in at the same time just to help speed it up. Um, and then if you get some in and it doesn't go all the way in, you teach them to push to push the things in the rest of the way into the dryer. If you hang your clothes, you can bring the basket of clothes out and have them come out too. And then they can hand you clothing to put up on the line or they can hand you clothes pins to hang the clothing on the line with. So those are different ways that they can help um, with laundry and even, you know, even putting the things in. You can also start to teach them to help you sort laundry. Maybe not quite so little a child, but once you've got a toddler, you can start teaching them, okay, these are whites or this is light, so we put it in this basket and just have them be involved in it. Or you can tell them, for example, if you have wash rags that always go in the whites load, then you can tell them, oh, can you find the wash rags for me? So different ways that you can get them involved in helping with the, with the laundry chores. Of course, you can have them involved with helping put their own toys away. And I think this is one that you need to start even even when you have a baby. As soon as your baby is old enough to be up and kind of mobile and pulling toys out of a basket, or even if they're not mobile, but you can put them next to a basket of toys and they can pull the toys out, they can help put them away. You want to... Um, 
imitation is really the name of the game with a lot of these things and it's easy to illustrate with the toys so little ones you know if you say put your toys away to a baby they're probably going to crawl off and do something else or completely ignore you but if you begin to put a put a toy away so you put two or three toys back in the basket and then you hand them a toy they will put the toy in the basket. And it works the same with toddlers and even young children for the most part, unless they're deciding they feel really grouchy and don't want to help you right now. But little kids developmentally are drawn very strongly to imitation. And that that even goes up through preschool age, like right up into early elementary school. The first part of a child's life is very strongly focused on imitation because they're imitating what they see in the world as they learn and develop. And so as you put a few toys away and then especially you hand, you give the child the toy, they will put the toy away. So you put a couple toys in, give them one, they put them away. You put one, give them one, they put that away. And then they'll start to pick up the toys and put it away because they're imitating you. And so putting toys away is something that can go smoothly and easily and can be a part of the routine and your child can be part of helping with it. Now, if they're, you know, they may want to be distracted and keep moving off somewhere. We're going to come back and talk about that some more too. But, you know, keep them coming and saying, okay, let's put these things away. And also if it takes you more than a few minutes, you might want to evaluate the number of toys you guys have. Um, but they can help with putting their toys away and, and the same for putting books on the bookshelf or whatnot or back in the book basket, whatever situation you guys have. Sometimes your toddler may not be able to help you directly. Um, so you you know, you know you may want to have them, for example, riding on your back while you're vacuuming or something like that. Um, so that can that can be workable sometimes too, and we'll talk a little bit more about safe spaces around your workspace. But let's jump back to to child size tools for right now. So having tools that are sized for your little one can really help facilitate them wanting to help you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're made for a child, but some of them are. For example, a broom or even a little mop, probably you're gonna need to buy a child-sized tool. If you're interested in teaching your child other skills like pouring and things like that to be able to help with mealtime, you're gonna want to have a smaller pitcher that your child can use, which means that you as the parent are likely gonna have to uh, come around and refill their pitcher for them. But it's empowering to them to be able to use these child-sized tools. Um, like I said, my kids really like using the e-cloths, which are obviously just a large cleaning cloth size, and that seems to work well for them. But a little sponge can be something that can work for a child, too. Like, you can take a big sponge and cut it in half so that the child's hand can fit around the sponge more easily. Um, so just think through your tools, like, and ask yourself, and or when I was talking about a small basket or the dish pan for carrying is there a child-sized tool that would make this easier for my little one? And I also talked about Montessori. They, the Montessori method discusses the um, child-sized tools a lot. And if you're kind of wanting inspiration or if you're somebody who likes to have more of a set plan for how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to go through this step-by-step -step and teach my child these skills step-by-step, 
Montessori might appeal to you. I really like the Montessori view um, on children and on having children help because it's very child-focused, but it's not completely child-centric, if that makes sense. So from a Montessori perspective, our, you know, our baby comes into the world and is completely needy. We we serve our baby's needs because that's what the baby needs. But as our child grows, it's it's not all completely focused on the child. You know, the child has come into a family, and so the child is part of the family unit and then part of the bigger community. You know, that might be their school community or just their their community on the whole and then also part of their world. And that's moving moving outward gradually over time. But you teach your child to be part of these communities, whether that just be mom and dad right at first uh, and siblings and then moving out into more and more. But, but we don't let our child's focus stay on the child and we don't stay necessarily focused on serving the child because it's, you know, it's part of being helpful. This is kind of what what gives humans their sense of value is knowing that they have a purpose in life. And so our child grows knowing that they have a purpose and that purpose for most of us, that purpose is helping other people in some way. And the way that we express that purpose is very unique to us as individuals. For me, it's recording this podcast for you. For you, it might be painting something beautiful for others to look at. For a businessman, it might be running a business that can bring some some product that enhances life, e-cloths, for example. So, you know, the, the founder of the e-cloth company um, spreading his or her vision. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. So, you know, through business or through art or through music or through teaching, there are many different ways or humanitarian work, which is what most of us think about when we think about serving other people. But really, we as humans are serving other people every day. Doctors and nurses are an occupation where... We usually do think of them as serving other people, even though that's their job. And the reality is, is that most of us are serving others through the work that we do every day. You're serving your children by, by parenting them. So, and that, that purpose helps to fulfill us. It helps to fulfill us. So our children find that in a, in a very small and very gradual way is kind of what Montessori says. So they begin, you know, as they begin to explore and move past that all-needy newborn stage, we start to teach them things, for example, that they can sit and that they can use a cup and that they can sit at the little table and that they can have their snack and then that they can wipe the table down after their snack and then that they can prepare their snack and then they're able to be part of helping prepare something for the family or that they can sweep and so they're helping sweep after the family. So it's just this emphasis on, um, and it and it's very, Montessori is very methodical, like we teach them these things, like a process for washing hands and a process for sweeping and a process for wiping the table, which is going to appeal to some people and not others. But the thinking behind the process is that we teach them step by step so that they do a good job with it. And then those steps become habit. So the child never thinks of them. We as the adult break down the task into steps. For example, preparing a banana and a glass of milk. We break that down into child-sized steps and teach the child those steps. But then those just become part of their their way of doing things so that they never think about it. But you're pretty intentional teaching it 
in the early years. And early years Montessori really is about that kind of practical life type stuff that we consider like, you know, how do I practically navigate my way through the world? How do I take care of my needs? How do I help in small child appropriate ways, help my family, that sort of thing. So if that's interesting to you, you might be interested um, in Montessori. We read the book in Smart Mama Happy Baby, Montessori from the start, The Child at Home from Birth to Age Three which was a really good book. So I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. And if you're interested, the the archives from our calls on the book where we did a chapter a week and commentary on the chapters and everything is in Smart Mama Happy Baby. So child size tools and that that kind of step-by-step breakdown, especially if you feel lost. Even looking at a, at a Montessori um, preschool page or a Montessori daycare page, may give you some ideas for, okay, how do I make this work practically? <laughs> you know, what, what, what are some ways I can actually start to bring my toddler into these things? Because again, they have it broken down step by step. That can at least give you some inspiration. Sometimes it's more about safe spaces around your workspace. For example, you really need to chop a lot of vegetables really quickly and there's not really anything that your toddler can help you with in the kitchen or you're at the point where you're cooking now and you're working at the stove and there's just not a lot left for them to do. What do you do with your toddler? That sort of thing. Um, So that's where I think it's good to think about safe spaces around your workspace. This is somewhere where having them on your back might be appropriate. Having your baby on your back could be appropriate. But also having something that they can do, that they can be engaged with, that maybe they're only engaged with during these times. For example, there's a cabinet in the kitchen that contains numerous things that they're engaging with only when you guys are in the kitchen, like a pot and a wooden spoon for them to bang on, some old measuring cups that nest for them to stack and play with. Those sorts of things, little containers that they can put the lids on top of, um, some older plates and cups that they can pretend with. So those sorts of things uh, would be there and available so that that's something safe for them to be doing while, while you're doing this work that you need to get done. Another question that you might have is, okay, so I've got my little one helping me and they're bored and they're wandering away. So that's where we have some boundaries for them that if, for example, mom's in the kitchen, you're in the kitchen, even if you're bored. If mom's in the laundry room, you know, you're in the laundry room, even if you're bored. Uh, And I think it's good to encourage a little one for a little bit, like if you were in the laundry room, okay, we're just going to finish up this load of laundry and and then we'll do something else. So, you know, encourage them to, to stick with you to the end. But if, you know, if they're really disinterested in it, or especially if you're outside hanging clothes on the line and they've been handing you clothes pins, and then they see birds and they want to go walk after the birds or they want to go play, I don't think you need to hold them there, especially if it's a situation where you can keep an eye on them while you're working. But I do think that it's a good thing to encourage them to come along beside you and work with you as much as possible. And if it's something like uh, like cleaning their own toys up or their own mess up, you stay calm and, and collected as you help them do that. But uh, but you help them, you know, you help them work alongside you until it's it's cleaned up. You know, okay, you guys, we you made this mess. We've got to clean it up. Mama's gonna sit beside you. We're gonna work together. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it put up. And depending on your child, you might do different things. Like my um, eight year old and six year old 
are very bouncy, bubbly personalities, and so making it into a little game can work really well for them. Um, my four-year-old is a little more contemplative, more structured, and telling him, you know, it's time to clean up. This is cleanup time. We know that the toys need to be put away before bed kind of thing works pretty well with him. Sadie is, again, two and a half as I record this, and for her, it's more just, you know, come on, Sadie, we're going to put these things up. Mom will put this up. You put this up and handing her what I want her to put up or really giving her more more guidance. And again, if it's a complete mess, and I'm speaking from experience and, and my own guilt here, if it's a complete mess and it takes too long to clean up, it may mean that you need to come back and evaluate at a later time. How much stuff do we have and do we really need this much stuff to, to be happy and, and fulfilled? Um, so the, that those are really the thoughts that I had for when we're talking about really little kids working with younger kids. As they get older, I think that it can move more from working beside you or being part of what you're doing to them being able to do things and even having maybe their own assigned work. It still needs to be very simple. For example, my four-year-old, he still does need a lot of direction to keep on task, but I can tell him, okay, we need to pick up and expect him to pick up with me keeping an eye on him and encouraging him we got to keep picking up, we've got to do this, or mama told you to do this, or giving him something direct, like I want you to take the forks to the table. Um, and with my six-year-old and, again, my eight-year-old, so getting into kind of elementary school level there, their tasks are still pretty simple, and I still need to give some reminders, but my expectation for them becomes, you know, if I tell you to pick up the den, you should be able to pick up the den and only need a reminder or two. You shouldn't just ignore me or go off or play something else. I don't expect to have to be right there with you, but that's, you know, that's really really growing. Um, Like, I can tell them you need to go pick up the front room, which is where all of our shoes are, and I can expect that they will be able to to put the shoes in a line without me being right there in the room with them. But I wouldn't expect that of my two-year-old or my four-year-old. So it's going to be an age-appropriate thing. And you get to know your kids. One thing I do want to remind you, I think this is... Well, it's a temptation even when you only have one or two kids because you're used to shouldering all the burden. And we, especially in the United States, have this concept that childhood should be this idyllic kind of um, holding space before we get to the responsibilities of adult life. But that's, that's not really true. So remember, as your child is able to do things, it is okay to tell them, you know, go fill the water bottles up, put them on the table, go straighten the shoes in the front room. Those are like my, you know, my lower elementary school kids kind of tasks to do that I expect them to do. Put your, you know, put your clothes in the hamper when you take them off kind of thing without me having to be right there reminding them and, and, and guiding them in doing it. Um, so, d- you know, let them start to take the burden off of you. I recommend periodically evaluating. Like I, d- I do this kind of annually because I'm evaluating everybody's chores at once, but what can my, what can my kids help with? How can I delegate things that I do to them? Now, one thing you do need to remember is you need to follow up. You need to make sure that you check after them because if they realize mom never checks up on us, they'll stop doing it. That's just human nature. Um, But, you know, ask yourself that. And then another thing, this is something for me, and it may be applicable to you if you have older children who have chores and then you have little ones who are coming up. 
Ask yourself really honestly with your little ones, when can my little ones start to shoulder some of those chores that I have my older ones do? This is something that hit me probably a year, year and a half ago was that, you know, hey, I have a seven-year-old and when my older kids were seven, they were doing way more than him. And, but now I have three older kids, you know, three teens, one, well, two teens, one preteen, and they can do a lot around the house, but it's not fair to let them keep doing it when they have siblings who are coming up and who are totally capable of learning. I have to teach the skills, but learning those skills and starting to, you know, starting to share and more of those household responsibilities. So those are all things to consider as your kids are getting older. And I just put that in there in case you're wondering, okay, how does this grow as my child grows? But for now, when you're talking about toddlers or even preschoolers whom you haven't had really do anything yet, I would start at this low level of coming alongside me, me encouraging them to be with me. They usually love it. So it keeps them gainfully occupied. And then how can I start teaching them these skills so that as they grow, it does turn more and more into their helping with a little bit of the routines of running the family, which is a good and healthy thing for children to do. It prepares them for life and it helps them have a saner mom. So it's a win-win situation. So those are, you know, those are my tips for that, ladies, and I think it's really worth it. It's a good thing to, you know, it's a good thing to spend time on. It's worth it because in the end, it helps your children to be better citizens, hopefully to see things that are a mess and pick them up. Every mom's dream. <laughs> I don't know that I can tell you that it comes true all the time. But at least you can have people who are willing helpers or who are learning to be willing helpers and who know how to help um, and can eventually help out in, in the running of a household so that you're not juggling everything. Again, if you want more practical help, if you want to shoot uh, over to me with this is my situation, my child, I don't know how to get them going, how do I get them going, or you feel like everything's chaos, where do I start from if it's like that, or you just want some ideas and tips and wisdom to tweak what you've already got in place, that's the kind of thing that we talk about in Smart Mama Happy Baby. We talk about everything from chaotic households to how do I get my child to sleep to what can I expect at XYZ point in time with the development of my baby and toddler and preschooler. I would love to see you there. We do a Q&A call every week. We have meal plans. We do book studies. There's lots of classes, over 30 classes um, and, and more in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club right now. So you can check that out at smartmamahappybaby.com. And uh, if you just want to get newsletter updates and check out what's going on, head over to Trust Birth 101. That's Trust Birth 101 to get newsletter updates. Next week, I'm excited because we'll have guests on the podcast. And shortly after that, we'll be working on a VBAC series, which I know many of you are looking forward to. So if you want to get updates on that, again, TrustBirth101.com, TrustBirth101. And I will talk to you next week and hope you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.